It's summer, obviously, and so I'm going to ask you to begin this morning by imagining that you're on vacation, you're at the, the ocean, and you're on the beach. It's a warm day. It's not like today. It's warm, and it's, it's sunny. It's the perfect day for going to the beach. You're there with your, your, your family. You've got your kids with you. Maybe you're, maybe you're grandkids. And it's a perfect day, so the beach is, is crowded. It's so crowded that you're having a hard time keeping your eyes on your kids. The, the surf is up that day. The water is, is rough. And at one point, you look up from your magazine that you're reading, and you realize you can't see your five-year-old. He was there just a minute ago playing in the sand. You see his bucket. You see his, his shovel. But you look around, and you, you just don't see him. You ask the older kids, where is your little brother? They don't know either. They haven't seen him for several minutes. And this feeling rises within you and your, your chest begins to tighten. You're afraid and you've got fear. Or let's say it's a Sunday afternoon. After church, you've had a great lunch and you're sitting down to read the, the Sunday paper. And you read a story about the company where you work. It says that profits are down and they're going to downsize. That they're going to be layoffs. And you go to work the next day and one of your friends is boxing his things up. You get to your office and there's a message for you. Your boss wants to see you. You've got fear. The doctor calls with results from the test you had last week. Routine test, really. And you're expecting to hear what you always hear. Everything's good. Everything's normal. But the doctor is reluctant to give you the results over the phone. Instead, he says... Um, I'd like to see you in person. You've got fear. Maybe you're 16 years old and you're waiting in line to take your driving test. You're so excited. Finally, you get your freedom. You're waiting and then the door opens and the girl before you walks back into the room and she's crying. And she's followed by this huge state trooper with an evil grin on his face. Who's next? You've got fear. We all face fear at different times in our life. We all have things, phobias or anxieties, worries, things that bring us fear, things that we're worried about. For example, growing up, uh, my sister Brenda was afraid of snakes. And of course, that meant that my brother and I were very understanding of that. <laughs> uh, actually, we had a life-size, very realistic-looking uh, snake. And it fooled her every time. I don't know how it did, but it fooled her every single time. Had a lot of fun with that. I think that's why she twitches like this to the day. <laughs> Me, I was afraid of, believe it or not, I was afraid of being in front of people. Kind of, kind of ironic. I, I, I was terrified of, of being in front of somebody singing or, or speaking or anything. Somehow or another, God got me through that. But we all have fear at one point or another. You know, fear has been called the mother of all emotions. It's the most primal of emotions, isn't it? For example, take a newborn infant just out of her mother's womb. What kind of emotions can that, can that infant realistically, genuinely experience? Guilt? She hasn't had time to do anything wrong. Disappointment? She has no expectations to be shattered. Joy? Not after what she's been through. But you take that little baby and you move that baby away from you quickly, away from your body quickly, and what happens? Her arms begin to flail. Her her body tightens up. Her eyes get wide. She gasps for breath. She is experiencing fear. Now, fear is not always a bad thing. Fear, after all, is just an instinctive response to a perceived threat. 
When threatened, when we're afraid that something happens to our body, our brain focuses our body through adrenaline. And, and most of the time, we're either going to flee or, or fight. Fear can save our life. It can save the life of somebody around us. But the wrong kind of fear can ruin our lives. It can rob us of joy. It can take away our freedom. It can paralyze us and cause us not to be able to, to function as we want. We all experience fear. And anxiety, anxiety is just a, a different kind of fear, a, a long-term, low-grade fear, something we're worried about, usually about things we, over which we have no control whatsoever. Fear can cripple us. Fear causes us to miss out on things, too. It can cause us to shrink back from a promising relationship. It can cause us to bypass exciting opportunities. We're afraid of failing, afraid of being rejected, afraid of looking stupid, afraid of getting hurt. And even as believers in Jesus Christ, fear can keep us from, from being the person God wants us to be, the person that we want to be. It can keep us from experiencing everything God has for us. It can keep us from, from doing the things God has called us to do. So what do we do since fear is such a human, common human experience? What do we do when we face fear, anxiety, or, or really deep worry? How do we respond? Well, today uh, the, the, we're going to continue our sermon series out of selected psalms. And, and the passage that Dan just read a second ago, Psalm 27, we're going to look at that psalm together. And it's written by a man who has experienced fear. He knows what it is to be afraid. And we're going to learn from this psalm some things that we can do can apply, believe, that will help us when we ourselves inevitably find ourselves facing fear. So if you would, turn with me again to Psalm 27, if you're not still there, and we're going to work our way through it, selected verses. Now this psalm was written by David. Many of the psalms were. David, as we know, was a shepherd boy. He defeated Goliath. He, he became the king after a while. He he, uh, he, he had many successes, but he also had many failures in his life. And, and this psalm was written by him, and it's a little bit difficult to characterize. Some of the psalms are that way. Almost conflicting themes within the same psalm. At one point, it sounds like a psalm of lament. Verse 7, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. Verse 9, Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Sounds like a lament. A cry to God during a time of doubt or loneliness or depression or fear. But in other places, it sounds like a psalm of trust. Verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Verse 3. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Such big mood changes in this psalm. And some people have concluded that it's really a couple of different psalms put together awkwardly. I don't think that's the case. I, I think it reflects how David was feeling. I think it reflects how we often feel when we're faced with fear. Because when we're afraid and scared, our hearts are often conflicted. One moment we think, everything's going to be okay. God's got me. I'm okay. I have faith. But the next minute, you give in to the fear. I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh God, don't let this happen to me. We go back and forth, conflicting emotions. Faithful on one hand at one moment. Fearful and afraid at the next. Which is actually pretty normal, isn't it? It's pretty normal. And it's honest. And David, in Scripture, reflects honest, 
prayer and honest life experiences. Afraid and fearful, concerned at one moment, but faithful and trusting in the next. So, let's pull out of this psalm some things that can help us move from fear to courage, from doubt to faith, from inaction to action motivated by trust in God. So the first thing we're going to pull out of this passage is is when we are afraid, we are to face our fears. And that's what David does. Verse 2, When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me. Even then will I be confident. Now we don't know the particulars of, of this context of this psalm. We don't know what was causing David fear. But throughout the course of his life, there are a lot of things that cause him fear. Enemies out to get him or his family, trying to overtake his his throne. Worries and concerns, afraid of of things that might come back from his past to, to haunt him. Concerns about the future of his kingdom. But we do know that how David responded. He didn't run away. He didn't whine. He didn't complain. He didn't whimper. He, he faced his fears. He faced the reality of, of his circumstances. You know, a few years ago, there was one of the most popular reality shows on TV was Fear Factor. Many of you probably watched that. I know I, I watched it some. And in Fear Factor, as the name implies, people were asked, the contestants were asked to do things that the average person would find fearful. Things like lying still in a box full of, of snakes writhing over them. My sister wouldn't like that. Walking across construction beams suspended 100 feet above pavement. Bobbing for apples in a bucket full of earthworms. Being closed up tight in a small, dark box. Eating something disgusting like pig brains. You know, it's amazing what people will do in pursuit of $50,000. But the truth of the matter is, there was a safety net. The snakes weren't poisonous. The people walking the beam had a rope and a harness on. Earthworms are slimy and disgusting, but they've never killed anybody. The worst thing that could happen to the contestants was that they could lose their lunch or their nerve in front of millions of TV people on TV, which was kind of what the producers were hoping would happen. But nobody was going to die. David had no safety net. His fears were real. The dangers were imminent. His throne, his family, and his life, at many times during his reign, were in peril. But in this psalm, David faces his fears. He identifies them, he names them, and he brings them to God. And that's where we need to begin. Most of us can name the things we're worried about. We can identify the things we're afraid of. But it does us no good unless we then bring them to God. Bring them to God and to examine them in in the light of His Word. To gain perspective on the fears, our circumstances. To get a glimpse of of who God is. The God in whom we can trust. So that's what David does in his first movement of the psalm. He, He knows the fears, he knows the reality, but then he brings it to God. He moves to action. He brings them to God and he asks God to help them. That leads us to the second movement of this prayer that I want to point out is is that when we are afraid, we are to focus on on God, which is what David began to do. 
He moves from, from fear to focus on God. Verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. So instead of letting his imagination run wild and, and, and think about the possibilities of, of, of somebody sneaking into his tent and slitting his throat at night or, or, or kidnapping his, his kids or harming his, his wife, instead he pictures himself in God's presence with the Lord. Verse 5, For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. He will set me high upon his rock. He's not in denial. He's not, he's not trying to wish away the danger. He knows it's there. But he sees himself in God's presence, lifted up, seated on a rock with the Lord, established solidly. And then in verse 6, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. He's picturing a day when along with all of God's people, he will be in God's presence, worshiping him, experiencing God's presence and love and grace and mercy. He's shifting his focus away from his fears, away from his circumstances, onto God. You see, the worst thing we can do when we're afraid is to focus solely on the fear, to begin to obsess about it. All the wrong case scenarios. Because the more we focus on fear, what happens? The tighter its grip upon us, the greater it becomes. And so like David, we don't deny the reality of the fear. We don't, we don't pretend it's not there. But we choose to focus on God, not on our fear. You know, when, when young kids, for example, are, are learning to swim, many of us have had this experience as parents or maybe swim instructors or with little siblings. When you get them to the edge of the pool, most kids just don't jump in. There's a few rare ones that are messed up in the head. They'll just jump in. But most kids, most kids have a healthy fear. They look out in the water. It's a new experience, and they don't want to go in. They won't jump in. And so what do we do? We get, on the, we get in the pool, and we hold up our arms and say, it's okay, you're going to be okay. Jump to me, and, and they won't do it. What changes? Why do they eventually jump in? Because they look at their mom or their dad or grandma or grandpa, whoever. They look at them. They don't look at the water. They focus on the face of their parent, their, their loved one, and because they trust them, they jump in. They can overcome the fear, and they experience something new, something good. You know, as believers, we're called to do, to do something so, very similar. Instead of getting tensed up or paralyzed by fear, when we face something new, something challenging, something risky, something that feels to us dangerous, and, and maybe it is, we are to focus on our, our Father's face, not on the fear, not on the possibilities. We are to focus on the Father, and He will see us through, and He will catch us as we, as we step out in faith. Now, that's why prayer is so important in our lives. Because when we pray, and when we read God's Word, and we gather in worship, what happens? We begin to get God's perspective. But when we, our prayer life is weak or anemic, when our study of God's Word is, is, is sporadic, 
and when we are, or, and when our worship is weak or sporadic, what happens? Our perspective becomes one of a child who's afraid and who won't move as to one whose eyes are focused on the Lord, who gets God's perspective and is able to step out in faith. You know, that's why we, we don't call this, a, we, that's, this is why we call this a sanctuary. It's not because something bad can't happen to us here. Something bad could happen to us here. But we call it a sanctuary because in worship, in God's house, with His people, we become very aware of God's power and of God's presence and of God's love and grace and mercy. And we're able to change our focus away from the things that make us afraid, the things that worry us, and instead we're able to put our focus on our Father. In worship, God speaks to us and says when we're afraid, Be still. Know that I'm God. In worship, God says to us, Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You are precious and you are honored in my sight. Through prayer, through God's Word, through worship, we find the courage to face our fears. And our focus moves from fear to faith in our God. A third movement we want to pull out of this is, is that when we are afraid, this has been applied, we are to choose to take the next step. Verse 3, My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So David has named his fear. He's faced it. He's brought it to God. He's focused on God. His perspective is changing through prayer and through worship and through God's Word. And now he's ready to move. He's ready to obey. He's ready to take a risk and to do what God has called him to do, even if it's scary and even if it's potentially dangerous. He's ready to face the enemy with God's help. Teach me your way, O Lord, verse 11. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. The fear is still there. But he's ready to follow. He's ready to follow the Lord. Because courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, is moving forward in spite of the fear. Courage is doing what God calls us to do and being the person God calls us to be, even, those, even though there might be risk involved. And so David chooses to take, to take the next step. Finally, David ends with a, with a rest note. Verses 13 and 14. I am so confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Now waiting doesn't mean that we're passive. It doesn't mean that we wait wringing our hands out of worry. It doesn't mean we pace restlessly or, or, or tap our foot on the floor. Waiting here is, is trusting. It's confidence. It's knowing that God is good and that God is always going to be there. But as we know, waiting is hard, isn't it? I don't like waiting. The other day I was in line at McDonald's for five or six cars. I got impatient. I'm like, what is taking them so long? You know, 
I don't like waiting for a special day. I, vacation is about three weeks. I don't like waiting for that. I'm, I'm ready to go. But it's in waiting that we learn patience. We learn perspective. God grows us. And we, we find in time that His strength and provision and presence are enough. And so we wait. Even in the face of fears. Even when we're greatly worried. Not long before his death, Henry Nowen wrote a book called Sabbatical Journeys. In the book, he describes a conversation that he had. There were some good friends of his who were trapeze artists called the Flying Rudellas. And they told Nowen one day about the special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. Of course, the flyer is the one who lets go and the catcher is the one who catches. And as the flyer would swing high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when when he must let go. If he doesn't let go, it can be dangerous for him or for the catcher. And so the moment comes and he, and he must let go and he arcs out into the, into the air. And his job at that point is to remain as still as possible. Not to twist or look and to let the strong hands of the catcher pluck him from the air. One of the flying rudellas told Nowen, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. When we are facing fear in our lives, whether it's fear about a relationship, our, our marriage, our kids, fear about our finances, fear about our health, fear about the future, fear about our job, whatever it might be, when we're facing fear, there will come a point after we have faced the fear, named it, brought it to God, prayed, sought Him through worship, taken steps, following His will, there will come a point when we will need to wait. When we will need to, to, to wait, even though we don't see the Father's arms coming toward us. Waiting and trusting and believing that, that yes, God is good, God is faithful, and He will catch us. Because that's His job. We're called sometimes to fly, just to let go. But God's job is to catch us. And He will. So in the face of faith, let us be like David. Let us face the fear. Bring it to God. Seek God's will. Step out in faith. In an absolute trusting faith, wait for the Father to catch us. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it's true and timeless and relevant. Lord, we pray that Your Word would accomplish the purpose for which You have sent it today. That You would speak to each person here today through Your Spirit. Whether they're facing fear or worry now or will in the future, Lord, I pray that they, like David, that we, like David, would bring our fears to You. That we would that we would step out in faith and trust You. That we would wait for You. Knowing and believing that You are good. That You are faithful. And that You will be there. Help us, O Lord, not to be overcome by fear. But in, this, in spite of it, in the face of it, to be people who trust You. In Jesus' name, Amen.